This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. We've been saying this one is coming for a while now, and today we're delivering it. It's a squeeze shortcut on Taiwan. The Chinese government sees Taiwan as a breakaway province that will eventually be part of the country again. And whilst some Taiwanese think this could eventually happen, others now feel they are very much a separate nation. This dispute has caused friction and a constant threat of a violent flare-up. In this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts, we'll give you the background on how Taiwan came to be, its complicated history with China, and Beijing's recent moves to take control over it. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. There's disagreement and confusion about what Taiwan's status is. Is it a sovereign nation or is it a territory of China? There's even differences in what it should be called. But first, Claire, let's pinpoint where Taiwan is in the world. It's an island in East Asia that's bordered by China, Japan and the Philippines. Other than the main island, it also consists of more than 166 smaller islands. And here's where it starts to get a little complicated. It does get a bit complicated. The name changes depending on who's talking. Its official name is the Republic of China, which consists of 166 islands, as you say. Then there is Taiwan proper region that contains 22 islands. And just to make things even more confusing, there's the island of Taiwan. It's the largest island and the state. So yeah, it's a little complicated. And before we get into the even more complicated matter of who administers Taiwan, let's whip through its history and the source of its tensions with China. So the first known settlers of Taiwan were the Astronesian tribal people. They were thought to have come there from what is now modern day southern China. The island was first mentioned in Chinese records in 239 AD uh, when China sent an expedition force uh, to explore the region. That's something Beijing uses to back its claim to Taiwan. And after a brief spell as a Dutch colony, during which Taiwan was known as Formosa. It was then administered by China from 1683 to 1895. During that time, many people fled China for Taiwan, mainly due to hardship and turmoil. Today, their descendants make up the largest part of Taiwan's 23 million odd population. From there, Claire, Taiwan underwent a few changes of hands, so to speak. Yeah, there were a few. In 1895, after Japan's victory in the First Sino-Japanese War, China ceded Taiwan to Japan. But then after it was defeated in World War II in the mid-1940s, Japan relinquished control of the island and China, which was then governed by the Kuomintang, known as the KMT or the Chinese Nationalist Party. It administered Taiwan from the mainland. But over the next few years, a civil war broke out in China between between the KMT led by Chiang Kai-shek and Mao Zedong's Chinese Communist Party. So it's definitely 
got a colourful history, but to cut a long story short, the communists won and Chang and his supporters were exiled to Taiwan. Meanwhile, on the mainland, China, the People's Republic, was proclaimed. Yeah, that was in 1949 and what happened was the KMT then dominated Taiwan's politics as a military dictatorship for many years and an estimated 140,000 people died during what became known as the White Terror. Of course, that was a really tough time for Taiwan and the locals didn't take to any of that too kindly. No, they didn't. Many resisted the KMT's authoritarian rule and it was because of that growing resistance that Chang Ching Kuo began the nation's transition to democracy during the late 1980s and 1990s. That eventually led to an election in 2000 of the island's first non-KMT president, Cheng Su Biang. We'll get into that a bit more a bit later, but just to take a step back, during this time, Beijing was keeping a close eye on the happenings in Taiwan, as well as the likes of Hong Kong and Macau, which it also lays claim to. And it was formulating a plan for bringing them back under Chinese control. Let's get into that now. While Taiwan was moving towards democracy at the end of the 20th century, Beijing had a different plan in mind. It was in the early 1980s under paramount leader Deng Xiaoping that China proposed a new system of governance over its territories. It called it one country, two systems. It's something we've talked quite a bit about these last few years, Claire. Yeah, that's right. That system was proposed by China during negotiations with the British, who at that time controlled Hong Kong under that 99-year lease. As part of Deng's One China policy, the idea was that mainland China would follow a political system of socialism with Chinese characteristics, as they called it, while its territories could retain their own economic and administrative systems that they had really put in place in those years and also trade with other countries independently from China. But there would only be one sovereign state and that's China. That's an agreement that's in place with Hong Kong at the moment. It's due to be there until 2047, 50 years after the British returned it to Chinese control in 1997. But of course, recent efforts by Beijing to clamp down on democracy in Hong Kong mean that agreement looks unlikely to be upheld. If you want to know more about that, we do have a shortcut, but it does all relate back to Taiwan because Taiwan, as opposed to Hong Kong, actually turned down Beijing's one country, two systems offer. Yeah, the majority of Taiwan wasn't all that interested in unification with China. And in the 1990s, there was an emerging sense of a distinct Taiwanese population rather than one with a Chinese identity. And it was moving towards democracy and away from China. As we mentioned before, a raft of democratic reforms loosened the KMT's grip on power in Taiwan. Uh, That saw them lose that election and pave that landmark election in 2000 with a new political party at the fore. KMT still remains one of Taiwan's main political parties to this day, and it does seem to alternate power with the Democratic Progressive Party, or the DPP, though they've been in power since 2016 and they have growing support. While both parties reject that one country, two systems proposal, the KMT advocates a more pro-China viewpoint than its political rival uh, and supports the eventual unification with the mainland only under the condition that China shifts to a democratic system. But Beijing, which continues to push for its vision of one China, hasn't been too happy about all of this. No, and it's re-emphasised that goal of Chinese reunification at every national congress 
of the Communist Party when it comes to Hong Kong, Macau and Taiwan. So this has meant diplomatic relations between Beijing and Taiwan have been, and it's a bit of an understatement, but tricky, Claire. Yeah, and Beijing continues to see Taiwan's government as illegitimate and so there's little official contact between the two countries. Because of that estranged relationship, most countries around the world wanting to keep up good relations with China have no diplomatic ties with Taiwan. They consider China the nation's only legitimate government. Yeah, and to that point, Taiwan only has full diplomatic relations with 14 out of 193 United Nations member states, as well as unofficial relationships with 57 other states, including Australia. But it is a place the world is keeping an eye on. In recent times, relations between China and Taiwan have sunk to the lowest they've been in decades. And as Taiwan tries to move away from China, as it observes what's been happening in Hong Kong, Beijing has upped the pressure on the region. This brings us to what's happening in recent times as China continues to try, as they say, reunify Taiwan and its other territories. Let's get into that now. It was in the 1990s, Claire, that Beijing moved away from using military threats as a way to bring about unification in Taiwan to offering economic incentives. Obviously, China wields a lot of economic power and Macau has been a bit of a poster child when it comes to the kind of riches that a territory can reap by obeying Beijing. Mm. It's one of the world's biggest gambling hubs and it's one of the wealthiest places on earth. That really hasn't bothered Taiwan, though. They've been doing okay by themselves. They've really been doing very well. And during the Cold War, it emerged as an economic powerhouse as the West's relations with China deteriorated. And thanks to a strong export market in electronics, chemicals and machinery, it became one of Asia's top performing economies as one of the very few economies as well that posted positive economic growth in 2020. Yeah. So Beijing's inability to tempt Taiwan to unify with financial riches means that it's been stepping up its military threats. So China has for decades threatened any moves Taiwan had made towards independence when pro-democracy and independence figure Cheng Su-bang was re-elected in 2004. China passed an anti-secession law in 2005, which allowed it to use non-peaceful means against Taiwan if it tried to break away from China. As I said, the world is watching all of this, and it's worth noting that former President Donald Trump broke with decades of diplomatic courtesy by forming a closer relationship with Taiwan, particularly as America's relationship with China continued to deteriorate in light of the coronavirus pandemic and a number of other things. As for President Joe Biden, he said its commitment to Taiwan, Claire, is rock solid. He did. And it appears that Beijing got that message because analysts say that a large incursion of Chinese warplanes in Taiwan's airspace in the days following Biden's inauguration were deliberately timed. Beijing may be testing the waters to see how Biden will respond, but others argued that China could be using the distractions of COVID and the new US administration to push its ambition to take over Taiwan. So whilst Biden is moving to undo a lot 
lot of Donald Trump's policies, his approach to China might not be one of those. No, and after China's deployment of warplanes to Taiwan earlier this year, the US State Department called on China to stop intimidating its neighbours and also reaffirmed its commitment to Taiwan's defence. No guessing that that was something Beijing didn't much like. They didn't much like that. And so like what's happened to a number of Aussie exports heading to China, Beijing recently blocked shipments of Taiwanese pineapples, which was quite a thing. Most of that crop is sent to China. So if you see headlines that say pineapple diplomacy, that's what that's all about. Exactly. As tensions rise and China steps up its military exercises near the islands, it looks like Taiwan is gearing up for war. Yeah, and war is the word that is being used. The United States is selling weapons to Taiwan. And in March, Taiwan said that it's begun mass production of long-range missiles that would allow it to defend itself against Chinese attacks. It's also been strengthening its military presence in that disputed South China Sea. We've got another shortcut on that one. Mm. Uh, It was a pretty big admission to make and one that will likely inflame tensions even further. And it's not just Taiwan stealing itself for war. Some observers say armed conflict is on the horizon. Yeah, and the United States Admiral that looks after the fleet in that area, John Aquilino, reckons that China sees taking control of Taiwan its top priority. That's because Taiwan lies at a very strategic spot near that South China Sea. It's a main shipping route and it's right on the edge of Southeast Asia. So a really critical point. As you said, we've got a squish shortcut on the South China Sea, such an important part of the world. Give that one a listen. On this issue, though, this one has many moving parts. But as we've seen with Hong Kong, China isn't afraid to flex its muscle when it comes to claiming what it sees as its territory. And that's your shortcut to China and Taiwan. On to our recommendations. Each episode of Squeeze Shortcuts, we recommend some further reading, listening or watching. Mine is another podcast. It's by the ABC, Claire, called Between the Lines. They did an episode about Taiwan with some really good guests who talk through the recent issues. Worth a listen. It is. Mine's a recipe. I tried to find a pineapple (laughs) cake that I quite like, but it's actually quite tricky and I haven't made it before. So I couldn't recommend it. But that pineapple cake that they make in Taiwan is delicious. So (laughs) I've thrown in a recipe to a Taiwanese fried chicken. They're renowned for their fried chicken. It's not like any old fried chicken. It's got special sort of herbs and spices. It's really delicious. So that recipe is there. Fried chicken's more down my alley than the pineapple cake, so I'll take that. (laughs) I'll pop a link to both of those in your episode notes. Thanks for listening to this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts. If you like our shortcuts, you might consider leaving a review on your podcast app. We have a couple of shortcuts in the works for you in the coming weeks, including what's going on with the modern day space race. Plenty happening up above us, Claire. There is a lot, whether it's the moon, whether it's Mars or whether it's lots of satellites, there's a lot going on. And if you have a request for a squeeze shortcut, don't hesitate to send it through to hello at thesqueeze.com.au. Until next week. Hold up. 